Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, I guess the the Broncos made us look bad and the Rams made us look bad because we really thought that was going to be an important preseason game. And it should have been. That should have been the most important preseason game of the preseason, which is like, Calling, I don't know. There's a joke in there about the tallest little person or the skinniest fat guy, which I've been accused of sometimes. So you know, I, I just, oops, right? Oh yeah, definite oops. Because I, I remember as soon as Vic Fangio said that, while the starters playing is up in the air, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then I remembered that Sean McVay takes the preseason as about as seriously as most fans do which is not at all so I, I the one thing it did do is highlight the need to just cut the preseason to two games and in the money grab by the owners for this whole clown show exhibition game season yeah i think i every time i think about it I just shout out to andrew mason his idea makes the most sense it actually i think makes the league more money <laughs> I think they're wasting time with the preseason. Not that evaluating players isn't a good idea, but that was 
I mean, we talked that up, something fierce. And really, if they had played it the way we wanted them to or the way we thought they were going to, we would have learned so much about both teams. And instead, we learned nothing. And so we will um, pay as much uh, attention to that particular football game as the Denver Broncos did and the St. Louis Rams did. Oh, wait, Los Angeles Rams got me. Uh, That's a dollar in the swear jar. And the Los Angeles Rams did to the game as well. I don't even know the score of the game and I'm not going to look it up. I don't, because I don't care. I do. I will tell you, I think it was 10 to six either that, or I saw the Rockies Cardinals score from earlier. I don't know. 10 to six sounds right though. The most interesting thing to happen because I didn't even watch the game, obviously, but as my wife and I are watching lost, this is my first time watching the show. This is her second time. We take a break. The episode ends I get on the tweeter machine and Andrew Luck retired. And I it literally, I, I was lost. Yeah. You, you must've thought you were the uh, fog monster for a while there. You don't, you do know the reference to the fog monster. Or are you not that far along? I'm not that far. Okay. Along. I've never seen the show and I know the reference to the fog monster. Like it, you should, it's, it's pop culture. You should know it. The, you know, the funny thing about and funny thing, I'm not going to call it funny. The, the thing that drives me nuts about the surprise retirement, and it was a surprise retirement, and we could go on and on about the booing uh, of Andrew Luck as he walked off the field. I, I think there was just a lot of shock there, so people booed out of shock. I'm not going to jump all over Indianapolis fans. It's not like they're Chiefs fans, so I'm going to just avoid that. But this need by some people in the media and on the tweeter machine, as you call it, to sort of take shots at Andrew Luck for choosing his health, mental health and physical health over whatever it was that the NFL was offering. And like, I, I sort of think of the, the Doug Gottlieb quote where not only does he take a shot at Andrew Luck, but he also takes a shot at millennials. And I, I just, I'm so tired of the, I'm going to take a shot at the generation that's the younger generation than my generation because my generation had it harder than your generation and we're tougher than you are. There's really only a few generations in history that get to talk about being tough. And Doug Gottlieb's generation is not one of them. You know, it's just, sorry, Doug. It, it, it's, it's the greatest generation, the men and women who, who saved the world from fascism and World War II and, and you know, came out of the Great Depression and, and built the strongest nation in the world. And I suppose the generation that fought in the civil war to help end slavery. And then beyond that, we all just need to shut up. (laughs) I think that's, let's just end the generation war. It's all a bunch of BS and I'm done with it. And that was the one thing I took from Andrew Luck's retirement is that it's just all stupid BS. And if I'm going to get advice from Doug Gottlieb on anything, it's how to steal your roommate's (laughs) credit cards. That guy is a clown clown. Just like show. everyone else who is on on FS1. Yeah. If you're on Fox Sports 1, you're a clown. Clay Travis is perhaps the biggest clown of them all. Can't stand him. Cannot stand him. So, um but I think I, I think the biggest thing that it does because on Rob, Rob Gronkowski on Tuesday, yeah, did a news conference and talked about the impact the game had on him and he talked about the bruise that he had in his thigh that kept him from sleeping for 4 weeks. And actually had to have fluid drained out of his thigh because it was so bad. I think what it does 
now that CBD oil is now legalized across the nation, except for South Dakota, which thinks it's special from all the other 49 states. It is. It is special. And then I'll just stop there. It is special. I'm not ripping on my wife's home state. Not but necessary. Come on. <laughs> the NFL needs to finally get off of this antiquated belief that CBD oil doesn't help people. Because that was one of the reasons Andrew Luck gave for his retirement is the effect that these opiates and painkillers are having on his mind and his body as well. So it's not just the physical toll. It's the toll that all those drugs he was pumping into his body were doing to him. Legalize CBD in the NFL, just like the rest of the country did. Jake Plummer has talked about this for years. You know, and if you smoke weed, you should not be suspended more than Tyreek Hill for punching his kid in the chest. Yeah, I, you know, it's the NFL is backwards in some things. And here's what I'll say. From the fans' perspective, and I think it's important that we remember that we are coming from the fans' perspective. And, and as a fan, I suppose you have a right because you buy the merchandise and you pay for the tickets to go to the games and you – uh, you know, you pay for the Sunday NFL ticket package or you, uh, you know, you spend your Sundays and your Monday nights and your Thursday nights sitting in front of a, a screen paying attention because you are gambling, you're fantasy footballing, you're doing your pickums, you're doing all your, you know, we spend an, an exorbitant amount of time as fans on the NFL. I mean, you and I as fans, we, we write for a blog, we do a podcast, it's something that we're passionate about. And so the humanity of the players gets lost, right? These these fans that tweet at players and talk to players about their fantasy stats and things like that, they drive me nuts because it takes the humanity of the player away. And that's the other thing. If you look at the way that Andrew Luck responded and, and sort of gave that press conference afterwards, and if you listen, I just heard I was driving home and they played uh, Gronkowski's thing that he was talking about with the CBD oil. He... He was devastated. Rob Gronkowski was was starting to to break up and cry. Andrew Luck was crying because this thing that brought them joy for so long stopped bringing them joy. And and I will tell you, I as a as a former athlete, because Lord knows I'm not a really much of an athlete anymore. But as a former athlete, the the worst moment in the history of my athletic career, if you can call it that, my athletic time was the last time I played a a. a a baseball game, a competitive baseball game. That was the worst moment ever because it was something that brought me the most joy in life to, to be on the field. And I, I know I can't do that anymore. And that, that was gone now. And these guys in their prime had to give it up because mentally and physically they were shutting down. And you brought up an interesting point about the opioids and all the other drugs that they're pumping into these guys. That's Those kinds of things killing these guys in ways that we don't really understand and it to me is a huge problem that the nfl refuses to kind of make a move towards things that could be just better mentally the the mental health of the of the players and physically mentally all of it they don't care about that stuff it's about protecting the shield it's about protecting the brand and they're afraid that if they say okay cbd oil is legal now they're opening themselves up to this whole other gamut of things that's going to drive people away and i don't want to get into the politics of the nfl and i don't want to get into the, the you know the drug policies and whatnot because we probably don't know enough about it to really go too far into it 
but you're talking about two marquee players. One of them was the replacement for a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, was one of the greatest prospects ever to come out of college in Andrew Luck, walking away from the game in their prime because of the toll that the game is taking on them, because they don't want to live the rest of their life in shambles, right, with their brains not functioning and their bodies not working. That's a problem for the NFL. And it's not just Rob Gronkowski and Andrew Luck. Calvin Johnson did it too mm-hmm. right before he was in his 30s. So it, you're starting to see players realize that, yes, it is. you get the fame, you get the money, you get the accolades, but it's not worth the physical toll that it does to so many players. Look at what happened to Junior Seau. I mean, that, that that's the ultimate of what happened playing in the National Football League when he committed suicide. But there's also other great name players. There was Barry Sanders, who's probably up there with Jim Brown. And now you have Andrew Luck in that same category of players walking away, not wanting to take the risk to their body anymore, wanting to be able to live a full and complete life. And sometimes we forget the fact that Football is life to so many fans. Like it, it is legitimately their life. But for these players, they're learning that it's not their life. It's an aspect of it. And they want to be able to live their life once they're done playing it. They don't want to be like Earl Campbell who struggles to get around. They don't want to be like those guys who sacrificed everything. And I'm going to bring back Junior Seau again, who sacrificed literally everything to play in the National Football League. And now Tony Dorsett is saying that he's suffering from the same things that Junior Seau did. Dave Duerson in Chicago, the Chicago Bear from the 85 uh, defense. Think about Jim McMahon, the struggles that he has. Uh, from from playing all those years, he can't hardly walk. He has dementia. He can't you know remember where he's going. His wife has to write notes for him all over the place to remind him of where things is. And I'll bring another name into it, a Colorado name, Rashan Salam. And I think his problem started way earlier that, than people actually realize. Remember, Rashan Salam committed suicide. Is it has it been two years now or just one? I I mean I've lost track of time, but. He he Heisman Trophy winner, two thousand yard rusher in, in college football, one of the one of the greatest college football players I think in the history of college football, and had one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football, probably an underrated season because people tend to forget about him because of what happened to him in the NFL. He had trouble with uh, marijuana use and and kept getting you know uh, getting you know he ended up not making it with the Bears, but I think his problems stemmed from head injuries and the toll that everything took that everything took on his body and eventually he he did end up committing suicide fairly recently but his NFL career ended very early and I think a part of it was just because of the toll that this game takes on you I'll be honest with you we talk about it I have a young son he's seven years old Uh, he wants to play football and my my response is no I'm sorry I can't I can't put you out there I, I just I, sadly, I said to him, I value your brain too much, you know, and that's a sad thing to have to say to somebody, especially about a game that you and I clearly love very much. But I, as much as I love the game, I, you know, I, I love my son more than that. And I, and so I, I lean towards keeping him out of the game because of those examples. 
and when you listen to both Andrew Luck and Rob Gronkowski speak, I think if the NFL were to to legalize CBD to not ban it as a as one of its banned substances, I think both would consider coming back and playing again. Well, I think uh, Rob Gronkowski said as much in his interview. He talked about you know I might feel like playing in three months, six months, two years. Uh, I, I think. You know, for a few for a few months, he uses the CBD oil. He feels better about things, and he feels like he wants to play. Maybe he does end up coming back. I don't know the effects of CBD oil. I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert on that, but I do know some of the anecdotal information that you get from that. Maybe the NFL needs to institute some sort of research into it, and they could be the ones that are proactive. They could be the ones that control it, and if they're the ones who are in control of it, then they'll be okay with it. I think that's always the NFL's problem: is that they feel like they have to be in control. Well, this is the way they can control it, right? This is the way they can make it so that uh, anything that does happen happens under the under the watch of the shield, right? The shield can sort of protect them. And uh, I, I guess I guess what we're both saying is it's time for the NFL to move away from the antiquated rules that they have in place that allow for a guy who you know beats his child to get back into the game and if you know without any problems, but somebody who who uses marijuana gets suspended for four games and then six games and then a full season. And then you've got a guy like Josh Gordon who, uh, you know, is, is expelled from the league for a long time until, you know, he proves to everybody that he's better. Like he ever really did anything that was that bad. He last I checked, he didn't punch his kid in the chest. And I think we're both saying congratulations to both Andrew Luck and Rob Gronkowski for putting their bodies before anything else. For not worrying about my fantasy team, right? Exactly. realizing that that's what matters most to them. And there's a photo that I saw of Andrew Luck's news conference, and it was just painful to see it. It it, it was, you you could literally tell that he loves the game of football so much, but it just wasn't fun anymore. And as soon as it's not fun, you have to walk away. Yeah, I think he did the right thing. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. One of the most interesting things that happened is a story by John Keim, who writes for ESPN, had a story on Monday where he talked to Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. And the, the whole purpose of the story was to tie it back to their connection to Kyle's dad, Mike, when they all worked in Washington. And the reason it's interesting is because they were asked who 
is the most difficult defensive coordinator or system or defense to plan for, to read and attack. And all three of them said Vic Fangio. I thought that that was just incredibly interesting, especially when you consider that Sean McVay went against the Chicago Bears defense last season and Vic Fangio and the Bears shut down the Rams offense. Right. Well, and Bill Belichick used Vic Fangio's approach, his strategy in the Super Bowl to shut down the Rams offense and win the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, that speaks volumes, I would say. And he was asked about that on Tuesday and Fangio said, I wasn't aware of that. They said that? That was nice of them. I don't know what to say. It's better than the alternative. Them saying the easiest, right? Nice of them to say that. I appreciate it. I love that he threw in his typical trademark sense of humor on that, but I think it I think it speaks volumes to the type of defensive coordinator and defensive mind that Vic Fangio is when you have three of the better offensive minds in the league right now, especially when you consider that all three of them are head coaches and they all agree that Fangio is the hardest to read and attack in terms of defense. What's also interesting is they all pretty much run the same offensive system. Yeah, they do. That's true. They all are from the same offensive tree, sort sort of. So that that is interesting. You know, it's funny, and I, I'm I'm gonna. How do I say this? I'm not I'm not gonna throw uh, ice water on this, but I am gonna just sort of temper it. I I feel like at least for a lot of people, the Vic Fangio excitement is pretty high, and I I'm excited about having Vic Fangio as a head coach. I I am very much. Um, a fan of what I think he can turn this defense into, that doesn't mean that the Denver Broncos are going to find a ton of success in 2019. That doesn't mean that they're not either. I just think that some of the the compliments that he gets from other coaches and uh, a lot of the excitement from fans really doesn't have to end up meaning that there's going to be a ton of success. But it does indicate that the Broncos are at least headed in a good direction when you've got offensive minds like those three guys who are from the same, like we just said, offensive tree, but also with some innovations and some of those young minds that are, that everybody's excited about offensively looking at him and going, yeah, that's a tough guy to game plan for. That's not somebody who we really uh, enjoy having to figure out. And he has had success against some of those guys in ways that other defensive coordinators have not. So it, it bodes well for the Broncos. But at the same time, we won't know anything until we see it on the field. The other thing it does, at least for me, seeing what we've seen from the starting defense and the amount that they've played, it makes it that much more exciting to see what this defense is going to do for a full game. And they have the full system to play with, to do their thing with, especially Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and what it will mean for for turnovers in terms of the secondary, making plays for interceptions in terms of fumbles. Because as we've talked about on previous podcasts, 
the most important thing for Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio is tackling. So when you tackle, that's going to create opportunities to cause fumbles. So there's another way for it to create turnovers. The other thing that excites me about it is what is he going to be able to do against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that Kansas City Chiefs offense? Because we've touched on this. If Bill Belichick used Vic Fangio's game plan to slow down the Rams, Bill Belichick gave Vic Fangio a way to slow down Tyreek Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs. Because if you remember, I think Tyreek Hill finished with one catch in the AFC Championship. I, I game. believe it was it was around one. Yeah, the number was around one. So I, I think you're right. No, I, I I agree with you. And the the Chiefs are sort of they're kind of an outlier. At least they were offensively in 2018. I'm not. I'm sure they'll sort of regress to the you know a little bit back to the mean in 2019. But that being said, they're still going to be a phenomenal offense. And I think that the Broncos at least have the mind in place uh, to be able to slow them down. And, and let's let's be honest here, that defense, talent-wise, actually held its own against the Chiefs in 2018. There was just some game planning issues and some game management issues that came from the head coach and the rest of the coaching staff that, that really did the damage and also some problems with the offense struggling as well. So... Um, I think perhaps, like I said, we're tempering everything here. Those are nice quotes. They said that. That's nice. I agree. Um, but let's see it on the field. And and I cannot wait until Monday night against the Raiders to see that defense in action. All right. So in the world of segues, this is a terrible one, but I think we're going to pivot uh, and and talk a little bit about the fact that the preseason is almost over. Thank you, Christ, the the never ending preseason, right? It's, called it. it started so long ago and has been just a drag. And, you know, it's hard because remember when we got to the preseason all those many years ago and we were so excited that football was finally coming back. I think we actually have a podcast that's named the Adam and Ian get excited that Broncos football is back or something like that from, you know, six or seven years ago. Now, at least that's how it feels. And now here we are. We're just like, can we please move on? Can we please move on? And so we're going to move on, right? I feel like the actress from the Titanic where there's that gif and she says, it's been 84 years. It's been, that's how long that's right. this preseason has felt. We are now the old lady from the Titanic. That's what's happened. But uh, I think what we're going to do here is we'll update. We're going to do a little update here on how the Mile High Report podcast schedule is going to work for the next uh, for the foreseeable future, for the regular season, once everything kicks off. So you can expect to hear Ian and I in the immediate post-game recap uh, following every Broncos game this year. So MHR Radio will be the, the post-game show uh, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whichever get, you know whichever day they play. Uh, Tuesday, you, you will get uh, Broncos and Brats uh, with Kevin. Kevin will throw those out there. And then... Uh, Wednesday is us again, Ian and Adam, MHR Radio, one more time, looking looking ahead, looking back and looking ahead. We like to look back and look ahead so that we know what we've seen and then what we're going to see eventually. So Sometimes ahead. at the same time. I mean, it's crazy. We have eyes in the back of our head. You, you don't know. It's crazy. And then Thursday, kind of exciting. We've got a new show that's coming up 
Broncos on the rocks with Luke Patterson. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm not sure when his show is starting up. Is it the regular season when he starts? Or is he going to have a few shows during the preseason here that seems to never want to end? I'm not sure. It's I, He'll either be next week or the week leading up to the regular season. All right. And then Friday, you'll hear from Tim, uh, Jess, and the great Lori, uh, Doc OV. She'll be... Uh, trying to hold hold things down with Tim and Jess on something something Broncos on Fridays and then of course uh, special shows every now and then you'll hear from us for our, uh, any anything that happens that's newsworthy or that we feel like we need to jump on and, and get a recording out for you know Saturdays Sundays Mondays anytime that we think that we should we should say something about something that has happened so that's kind of the schedule that we'll be uh, trying to adhere to as best as possible as the regular season finally approaches. And all of it is just so that everyone knows when their favorite show is coming and when to download it. So download the post game and the Wednesday show. I mean, you really should just be downloading all of them, but, but really the, that Wednesday show is, is a solid show and the post game wrap up. I'm telling you, it is, I don't know who those guys are, but they do a good job. They do a good job. Is, wait, is that us? Yeah, we plop it out there and expect it to perform. Oh, you know what I like about that is I it's like I set it on the tee for you. It was like, here, Ian, you hit it, and then you hit it. It was very nice. It was well done. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's let's get into some actual news. That I guess that was kind of news. Actual news, though, like actual Broncos news. And let's talk about some roster moves because some things have happened. Um, the Broncos cut Zach Kerr and Dakota Watson. And Ian, you have an interesting thought on why they made that move. And so I'm going to let you sort of play that out. Both moves, I think, were made not to get younger. I mean, that that's always a benefit. I mean, if there's younger guys on the roster who have stepped up and taken their spot, then yeah, you make those moves. I don't think that was the case with either Zach Kerr or Dakota Watson necessarily. I think the biggest move or the biggest reason behind those moves is because of the money that it clears up for the salary cap. So once teams start to release some veteran players and there's always a surprise or two in terms of who teams decide to release, the Broncos now have the cap space to pick one of those players up, whether it's a middle linebacker, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a quarterback they now have the flexibility to go out and get one of those players if they become available. Yeah, it's an interesting thought because they do need to uh, they do have some hole I mean, they have some holes to fill. Right? And that's there's there's no doubt about it. And so that is really the start of the cuts, you know, as we head towards um, Sunday, the uh, the 31st, the 1st. What day is Sunday? <laughs> no. Calendars, they're hard for me to read, but uh, they're heading towards Sunday is the first, right? Sunday and Sunday is when is it the first that cuts have to be done? Two p.m. Yes, on Sunday. Two p.m. on Sunday. Okay, so that you know they're they're whittling it away, whittling down to that fifty-three man roster. But that's an interesting thought because there are some guys that uh, that may fall off of some teams that will fit with the Broncos' need, and so I you know I'm sure that John Elway and his staff and the people around him will. Uh, help him grab that, you know, by the, you know, grab that and pick it up because he might not be able to. I don't know. Is that a shot at Elway? I feel like that might have been like a subtle shot at Elway, but it wasn't intentional. 
somewhat intentional. Um, uh, they'll, they'll pick up somebody to, to fill those holes. So, um, especially if Todd Davis isn't able to go yeah, on Monday night saying. against the Raiders to open the season, you, you probably need somebody, a veteran, and there's already one available because the 49ers released Malcolm Smith. Sure. So there's a veteran linebacker. If the Broncos are interested, I'm, I'm sure they may wait and see what happens in terms of who else is released. I think one name to keep an eye on is with the Miami Dolphins, Kiko Alonso. Ooh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting name because Kiko Alonso is a guy who um, is, he's a solid player. Right, I, and has been in the past, but is he is he to the point where the Dolphins are ready to move on from him? Do you think he's on the cut list in Miami? I think he is. I think it, it just depends on what Brian Flores wants to do with his defense and what role Alonzo plays in it. I think one thing that you'll see is over the course of training camp and preseason, new coaches obviously want to give veterans the chance, but if they don't fit, they're going to move on from them. So I, I, I think it, it, it's been rumored. I when I looked to see because I saw his name mentioned on social media on Monday. It seems like his name is being floating about as a potential roster cut okay. for the Dolphins. So I, I would definitely keep an eye on it. I don't know if they have enough cap space to make it work yet, depending on what they would have to give him to get yeah. him. Denver, but I would definitely keep an, an eye on the name Kiko Alonso. All right. I like that. Okay. Well, that, that to me would be a bit of a surprise. Uh, and speaking of surprises, um, we were going to do some surprise cuts, some, some moves that you think that we think the Broncos might make. That would be a surprising move. Um, and I, I actually have two and one of them would be a huge surprise to me, but I, I could see it as a possibility. And so I'll give you this one. And then I know you actually, uh, we're saving yours as well. And so I'm going to give you my defensive one first. Demarcus Walker. He would be a surprise, I think, as far as he, cuts go. Be a surprise. I think he's played well in the preseason. But I just wonder how much more time and effort the Broncos want to commit to him. He was a, a high-round draft pick, but it was a different regime. It was a different system. Uh, you know, I, I would say that now Vic Fangio probably is using him correctly. And so cutting him would be a surprise, but that would, I mean, if we're doing surprise cuts, he's, he's a name that you could see get cut just because have the Broncos decided this is as much as we're going to get out of him and it's not enough. And, and that would be a cut that would be a surprise to me on the defensive side, but it could happen. Uh, the name that I'm going to throw out would be a surprise, and it would be a surprise because I think he's played relatively well over the course of training camp and preseason. And this may surprise people because he was my player to keep an eye on heading oh. into training camp. Sua Cravens. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about Sua Cravens. Which, actually, if I'm not thinking about Sua Cravens, and then they cut Sua Cravens. Should I be surprised that they cut him, or should I go, well, I hadn't really thought about him, so I guess that's somebody that could be cut. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I yeah. think the surprise would come from the fact that he's he's had a good a good training camp and a good preseason. Yeah, his name has popped. We talk about names that pop. His name has popped a few times. And so uh, that would surprise me, especially since I, I feel like he actually fits into this Vic Fangio system 
better than he did into what Vance Joseph was trying to do uh, with the previous regime. I just that to me is is something that I can kind of see. Uh, offensively, offensive cuts. Do you want to? Do you got one? Do you have one for the offense? I do. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Uh oh. Jake Butt. Oh, you took mine. Dang it! I should have gone first. That's why I knew I had to go first because I knew you were thinking. Yeah, because I yeah you knew exactly what I was because I'm always thinking about Butt and so. It's better than thinking about Chubb all the time. Oh my goodness! I knew it. I, I and I open. I was I was nice. I was nice about it. I was like, yeah, you you go through the door. I'll hold it for you. And then I, as you walked through the door, you slammed it. That wasn't very nice. I like you. I'm always thinking about butt. Yeah, but I think it, it just it, in all seriousness, he played 11 plays on Sun or on on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Against and the Rams, he can't practice. He Vic Fangio on on Tuesday said that Jake Butt is out the rest of the week, and he's not playing on Thursday against the Cardinals, which is more than we thought we were going to talk about that game. But as this is what Fangio said on Tuesday when he was asked about Butt, not on Butt, but on the player, he said he likes him round and big. <laughs> on if it's a disappointment that Butt will not practice today and play on Thursday. It's disappointing that he has, but it's not it's not disappointment in Jake, if that's what you're saying. When he starts to feel good and plays or practices, then it flares back up again. It's just something that we're going to have to deal with here. He won't play in this game, and he will miss some time. He was then asked if Butt could possibly not be on the 53-man roster. He may not, but he may also. Thanks for the clarity, Coach. But in all seriousness, if he can't play 11 plays in a preseason game and it's already flaring up, you yeah. can't you can't give him a roster spot and expect that three ACL tears is just going to magically get better. It's not. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's unfortunate, too, because I, I do think that Jake Budd is a guy who's talented enough to, to play in the NFL. He has the ability, and, and you've seen it. I really wanted to see the Broncos yeah. get butt stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, they had the opportunity, and it's it's too bad because it almost feels like a wasted draft pick as well because they went in and they they, they, they drafted him thinking, well, he's going to get better. We'll, we'll bring him into the system, and, and you know our trainers will work with him. But this is clearly something that's beyond uh, just – what you can do as a, as a medical professional. He's got something, some underlying issue that is preventing him from being healthy enough to be an NFL player. And that, that's just too bad. Um, but yeah, he was my surprise cut. Although I think if we were both thinking it and so many other people were also thinking it, maybe he isn't really a surprise cut so much as he is probably just an obvious cut at this point because he's just taking up space and you don't need, need guys to take, to take up space. The other surprise cut that I that I would have gone with but things didn't really work out that way and it wouldn't have been a surprise if things had worked out was Devontae Booker I was kind of thinking they would eventually move on from him just because they brought in Theo Riddick and he was going to be sort of the replacement for him in my opinion not necessarily in the way that they play but just on the roster Uh, but with Theo Riddick's injury and his guaranteed million dollars they're not cutting Booker because they need to keep him around And I think it would be a surprise at this point. Right. But it wouldn't 
shock me because they still have and expect Theo Riddick to come back from a shoulder injury. So do you, I mean, yeah, I wonder what the, what the pro, yeah, what, what is the process? There? Hmm. How does there's because some of the rules on that are always tricky. Like, what do you do when it comes to those things? Do you, you know, how does the IR work? Is it, uh, you know, injured reserved eligible to return? And then what do you do with Devonte Booker? And yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. I think another thing to keep an eye on is what they do with Andy Janovich because Andy Janovich is going to be able to come back at some point and whether or not they put him on IR designated to return. So that'd be what, six weeks. I think that's what it is. Do they release George Aston? Because one of the guys that they signed is Orson Charles who's a veteran tight end, but he's also listed as a fullback. So do they release George Aston and have Charles on the roster who's can play both fullback and tight end and just have him take the spot until Janovich comes back? Yeah, this one's probably above my pay grade because there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen here and, and with the injuries and with the, you know, with what they're trying to do on offense and things that they need, uh, who knows what's going to happen? I think that Theo Riddick injury actually kind of messed some things up. And then the Andy Janovich injury on top of it, it really threw some 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 interesting wrinkles into the fold that are going to take some ironing out. I need a nice little laundry metaphor thing that I had running there. I just decided to keep going with it. And uh, I, I don't really know. I don't know where they go from here. I, I wonder. You know the injury that threw her uh, – uh, a wrinkle in all of this was Drew Locke's thumb injury. Yes, it did. I think he was gonna he was gonna be the backup quarterback, and they were gonna release Kevin Hogan. And now they can't and they release were just Kevin Hogan roll yeah. with Drew Locke throughout the, the regular season and let him take the scout team reps, let him be with Scangarello and Flacco in the quarterback room to to see how you game plan and prepare for a regular season game as an NFL quarterback. So his thumb injury, I think, is another one that threw a whole wrinkle in what John Elway and Vic Fangio wanted to do with their roster construction. And I'm not, I'm not a Brett Rippon fan. I think he's going to get released. He may stick on the practice squad, but meh, who cares? (laughs) Sorry, remember I don't care Uh, the whole quarterback thing. I don't care. Um, I do. I I have this weird feeling about. Garrett Bowles. I think Garrett Bowles is your starting left tackle, right? I, I just oh, think that's, no question that's about what's that going right to happen. Now. But I can, I sort of can envision a scenario where he plays poorly enough in the first couple of games that the Broncos feel like they have to do something to to shore up the left tackle position. I don't know what that would be, but that is something that I'm kind of watching. Like I'm just kind of paying attention to that because it feels like that's a scenario where you have a position that's incredibly important on the football field. And if if Garrett Bowles is going to be as bad as he has been, and it's unfortunate to say that, they're going to have to do something. What that is, I don't know. A, a trade of some kind with, with somebody like, like a, the Redskins for Trent Williams or, or something similar to that, maybe. But the, the Garrett Bowles situation to me is it's a season killer. It has the potential to be because that's how Joe Flacco gets hurt. That's right. That's the point is that you're protecting his blind side 
and you don't want him to get blindsided. I see what you did there. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. It's good stuff. While I think it would be great to get someone like Trent Williams, think younger. Okay. Laramie Tunzel. Yeah. Because there's another he's he's been rumored to be on the trading block with the Dolphins. And if he is, Elway needs to jump on that. Tunzel's twenty five. Trent See, Williams is thirty one. Yeah. So twenty five is less than thirty one if I'm if I'm reading this correctly. And it's also younger than Garrett Bowles. Imagine that, that it's also younger than Garrett Bowles. Craziness. All right. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is something that, you know, I, I think you have to pay attention to it. Oh, because it, it, we when we talked to Andrew Mason on the podcast previewing training camp, that was the question. Yes, it was. And it is going to remain the question until Garrett Bowles proves that he's capable. And I don't know if he can. I just don't. I just haven't seen it in in the preseason, and so I, I don't know if he can. All right. Um. What's that? Well, that since you're doing segues throughout the entire show. Oh yeah. I mean, not good segues, right? We actually have someone who is going to know a great deal about whether or not Garrett Bowles is going to take that next step. Matt McChesney, who got some flack for him pointing out some of the things that Garrett Bowles did not do well against the 49ers. He's going to be on a podcast that's coming up, whether or not it's released over the weekend or not, but just keep an eye on that. You'll hear from Matt McChesney on Garrett Bowles on the offensive line, what he looks for in terms of offensive line play, all that stuff. It'll be a great podcast. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll probably have to have the old, the old beeper handy because he might, might drop a few choice words here and there. He has a tendency to tell it like it is, or at least how he feels like it is, right? If you if you get what I'm saying there. So, uh, and then the Broncos do have a preseason game coming up. The Broncos are playing. Which day do they play? Is it Thursday? Thursday. They play Thursday against the Cardinals. Am I right about that? You were right about okay. that. Okay. So that's Joseph. Yes. Make his return to Denver. Oh yes, the. The once loved, now hated, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, Vance Joseph, will be returning. And I think we should um, pay as much attention to that particular preseason game as we should have paid to the Broncos and Rams game. Which is none. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.